Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the morning service of Sunday the 10th of January 2016, entitled The Power of Christ's Presence. And the Bible reading is taken from 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 to 18. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. If you'd like to open your Bibles for our scripture reading this morning to the book of 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4, we'll be reading verses 16 through 18. I'm going to begin reading this morning. Let's go ahead and just back up and just read from, from verse 1 to get the context. We're going to be looking at verses 16 and 18. I invite you to stand on the reading of God's Word, beginning in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and in his kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure a sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables." But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. For I am now ready to be offered in the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to be only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica. Cretans to Galatia, Titus unto Dalmatia, only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. Tychicus have I sent to Ephesus. The cloak that I left at Troas with Carpus, when thou comest, bring with thee, and the books, but especially the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works, of whom be thou where also, for he hath greatly withstood our words. Verse 16, at my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray, God, that it may not be laid to their charge. Notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, and that by me the preaching might be full known and that all the Gentiles might hear, and I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. And the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Father, thank you again this morning that as we gather here today, Lord, that we have a place to meet, Lord, that we have health and strength to be here. Thank you for your word, Lord, that we've just read from, your spirit, Lord, that gives us understanding, that will quicken this and make it alive. Lord, thank you that we know that your presence is here today and that you see and know every heart that is present. And Lord, you know the need for this hour. Lord, we just pray that during this time that you would use thy very unworthy servant by the power of your spirit, not because we deserve anything, 
but because we stand in such great need, Lord, that you will speak to our hearts, each and every one. Lord, whatever it is that we need today, whether it's to be saved, whether it's to be restored, whether it's to be encouraged and built up, whether it's to be challenged afresh, Lord, please do the work that only you can do. and Help us, Lord, to be not only receptive to it, but to be responsive to whatever we need to do, that we can all leave here today more like you and in your perfect will. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. If you were with us last Sunday morning, the first Sunday in the new year, we looked at the thought of great powers that are at work around us in the year ahead. We looked at five of those great powers that will undoubtedly touch our lives in some way or another. We looked at the power of death. We also, the power of death, we looked at the power of love that will overcome the power of death. We looked at the power of compassion of that love when it becomes an action within our lives. We looked at the power of prayer, the effectual fervent prayer, when the power of love and the power of compassion are at work in our lives, then the power of prayer is something that is real and dynamic and that will change the very course of our lives. And we finished off with the power of Christ and his word. And it's there that we want to really pick up. If you were here on Wednesday evening, we picked up with that fifth point, the power of Christ and his word, and just look briefly at being delivered by the power of the word of God and just what the word of God can do to deliver us. This morning, I want to carry on with the thought of the power of Christ's presence. You see, as Paul is writing these words here, we find that the context is that Paul realizes that his time, his work is almost finished upon this earth. He's coming to the end of it, and therefore he is charging here, Timothy, those that are going to be left behind to carry on with the ministry that is so vital. Paul knows that he's ready to meet his Savior, but he's reminding this young preacher that it's not been an easy road at times. Matter of fact, as he writes these words, he comes to show us that he has been completely forsaken by those around him. Now, he records several reasons for that that we have read there in those verses. But whether it was because they had been enticed away by the world or whether it was to be involved in another ministry, whether he had sent them away or they had gone away on his own, there came this point when he was completely forsaken by man. And ironically, in his verse, sometimes that's the time when we begin to feel sorry for ourselves and is it worth going on and, you know, is it really doing any good? But Paul is even praying to God not to lay that to their charge, not to lay it to their charge because they quit, because they left, because they didn't stay with the ministry where they were. God, please, don't lay this to their charge. 
But then he goes on, and here's where I want you to really focus. I want you to understand that where the Apostle Paul is writing from, you know, when we walk the Christian walk, when we live the Christian life, when we're involved in the Christian ministry, the truth is there's going to be great days of rejoicing when we're on the mountaintops, and it's just almost too good to withstand. There's going to be times in the valley. There's going to be times just like the great apostle that you feel totally forsaken. Nobody else cares. Nobody else is there. Why why should I bother? Why should I carry on? Paul reminds young Timothy, even though I found myself at my first answer, he says, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. Even though he was completely forsaken by man. Notice what he says in the next verse, notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me. Though I was completely forsaken by man, just as we sang in that second hymn this morning, no, never alone. Forsaken by man, but I was not alone. The Lord was with me. The Lord was standing with me. The Lord was giving me the strength that I needed to do what I needed to do. In his case, to preach the word of God, to preach the gospel to the Gentiles that all men might hear because that's what God had called him to do. God has called you to do something today. And I promise you, As sure as you're living and breathing there in that seat, hopefully still this morning, he hasn't called you to do nothing. Life is too short. The ministry is too important. People around us are dying and going to hell every day. And yes, I know, I know how tough it can be. I know it can get hard. I know you can feel forsaken. I know you can feel like that there's nobody standing there with you. But I want to remind you, the Lord is always with you. He will never, ever, ever forsake you. Whether the world, whether the world stands with you, whether the world even likes what you're doing, Jesus Christ will always, always be with you. But you know, the Apostle Paul didn't stop there either. (laughs) He went on. He said, I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion, and the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom. He just got through talking about that crown that was awaiting him. I may be coming to the end of my journey here, but God's got something for me. And he's reminding himself here that even if everybody else forsakes him, the Lord is with him. The Lord is going to preserve him. The Lord is going to keep him until that day when he's with him once again. Do you know how great... It feels sometimes, I mean, it's hard to even express the words of what it means not to be alone. Just to have somebody there with you. When you're going through that tough time, that hard time, 
just to know that somebody cares. You know, it might just be a hug at the right moment. It might be just the simplest of words that is spoken, but it can do more for you than you can even express in words, knowing that you're not alone. I read the story that was written by a nurse that served in the field hospital or that the soldiers were brought back to when uh, they were wounded in battle. She says the stretcher bearers brought the unconscious soldier into the field hospital and laid him in the waiting area. Then they were gone again. His right leg was shattered, part of it missing. There was a tourniquet on it. The first aid team had had done their job well in the field, all that they could do. She said, I started to clean him up and look for any other injuries that might be there. She said, with the wet towels, I began to clean some of the, the mud and the grime off of his face and his neck. What I discovered underneath was this beautiful face. It was almost boyish without blemish. It was like the face of an angel almost. She said, I paused for a moment. As I was looking at him, his, his eyes flickered open. They were clear. They were just this deep blue. At first, he was confused and he was scared and he was still in shock. I told him who I was and where he was and that he was going to be okay. He said he was scared and asked if I could just please Stay with him. So I looked around. He was the only one waiting for surgery at the time. She told him, she says, sure, I'll stay with you. And then she took his hand and he just lightly squeezed the hand. So we sat there like that for more than half an hour. He would drift in and he would drift out, conscious and unconscious. But when he would wake up, he was always scared at that moment but when he looked up and he, and he saw me and he saw that someone was with him, he would just relax once again. His eyes would close in rest. Finally, it was turned for surgery. He squeezed my hand one last time and he was gone off to the operating room. That was the end of his soldiering days. It's tough to march on one leg. He was stabilized and the next day they shipped him further back to, to England for more treatment. She said, but for the longest time, this image of that face just stayed in my mind, just wondering how he had made out. She said, then one day out of the blue, I got a letter. And in that letter, in those few words, he told me what a comfort that I had been to him during those very dark hours. He said, I still awake frightened sometimes, but when I do, I think of you there beside me, holding my hand, and it just makes me feel better. You'll never know what an encouragement it was just to hold my hand. And you know, the thing is, is that story could be told time and time again in all kinds of different settings. Encouragement comes in all kinds of forms. It might be a simple embrace. It might be a little squeeze of the hand. It might be through that word that is spoken. Sometimes it's just being there. People able to communicate 
what we were talking about last week, that power of love, that power of compassion, that power of actually caring and being there. As we look in this passage today, I want us to be reminded that Paul had this experience when he was all alone, but yet he realized because of Christ that he was never really alone. His confidence in the fact that the Lord was standing with him. You see, so many things get in the way sometimes. We're looking at all the things that are getting us down and we're feeling so sorry for ourselves that we don't see him standing right there with us, right by our side. I wonder, this morning, can you, do you have that confidence that the Lord is standing with you? You see, I would hope that you could emphatically say yes I know that. God, help me not to forget that. And of course, that can only be true if you know him as your Lord and Savior, if he has your life, if he really is there with you, if you have him in your heart, if he is your Lord. If that be the case, you can count on the fact that he is with you no matter where you are and no matter if everyone else has forsaken you, he is standing with you personally. You see, when we have the confidence of knowing Christ, when we know the power of his presence, you see, it's something, the presence of the Lord, as we saw last week, means power. But you know, all the power in the world is meaningless if it's not applied. All the power in the world can be out there somewhere, doing all those things out there, doing all those things for others. But what about in your life personally? You see, what I want us to take is that power of Christ that we talked about last week, that great power that can change everything in the world and apply it to you personally, the power of his presence in your life. Because when we have that confidence of the power of his presence in my life, that is what will give you security. You see, that's one of the things that people long for just to feel secure. Sometimes when we're feeling alone, we don't feel very secure. We feel like that we're in danger, that we're at risk. But it's the presence of the power of Christ in your life that will give you that security. Back in Genesis chapter 28, Jacob is on the run for his life. Esau is fighting mad, and he has every intention of killing his brother, of killing Jacob. What does the Lord say to Jacob when there is no doubt that he is out there in the dangers upon him? In Genesis 28, 15, God says, and behold, I am with thee and will keep thee in all places whether thou goest. 
and will bring thee again into this land. For I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. May I say to you today, God doesn't leave a work unfinished. He's saying to you, I will never leave you until we've accomplished what I've called you to do. Whatever he has, no matter what the odds are, no matter how hard it seems, no matter if there's anybody else there, if you're going down the path that God is taking you down, that promise applies to you. I won't forsake you. You can be secure. The surroundings may look dangerous. You can be secure. We can look through the Bible. We can find all kind of statements that are similar. The proposition that God made to Jacob right here. It's the same proposition that he makes to his people time and time again. <laughs> I don't doubt one bit that Jacob dreaded that encounter that he was going to have with Esau. But he went with a promise. The promise was of the presence of the Lord being with him. Just like Paul knew, the promise that God was going there with him, that he didn't have anything to worry about because the power of the presence of Christ would give him the security that he need no matter what the dangers were. I want you to know today what it is that you may not feel secure in. The power of the presence of Christ in your life will give us the security that we need. But it's not just the security. Sometimes we just need a little bit of that courage. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like the old lion in the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> you know, the lion's supposed to have courage, but he didn't have any courage. Sometimes as Christians, we know we know we're Christians. We know that we're supposed to have the victory. We know that we're supposed to be preserved for all of eternity. We know all these things, and yet we don't feel very courageous. It's like it just went away somewhere. I'm saying today, I can tell you where you can find your courage. Your courage will come when truly you have the presence of the power of Christ in your life. Exodus chapter 3, verse 12. And he said, certainly, I will be with thee. Who's God talking to here? Certainly, I will be with thee. And this shall be a token unto thee that I have sent thee. When thou hast brought forth the people out of Egypt, ye shall serve God upon this mountain. Moses didn't feel very courageous in leading the nation of Israel out of exile from the Egyptians. I mean, they got all the power, all the forces, all these soldiers. He was pretty frightened. That took some courage, some great courage for Moses to lead the children of Israel based on upon a promise from the Lord. That's where his courage came from. 
the presence of the Lord. The Lord is the one that promised it. The Lord said, certainly I will be with thee. Moses, I'm not asking you to go out there and to do this on your own. I'm not asking you to be by yourself. Certainly I'm gonna be with you. I will be there. He says, I'll bring you forth. You're gonna serve God upon the mountain. The power of the presence of the Lord being with him. And the children of Israel were <laughs> sitting there on the shores of the Red Sea. And they had the whole Egyptian army coming at them. <laughs> and you know, chariots may not seem much, but let, let me say in our day and time, those chariots and those weapons would have been like the nation coming upon you with all the power of their military force coming down upon you. These few people, they don't have any of that machinery of war. And yet they've got this powerful nation that is coming down upon them. The only thing they had was a promise of God. <laughs> a promise of God against the forces that were built against them. What was the result? Moses just held out his rod. <laughs> wow. What a powerful instrument of war. He's got a stick in his hand. <laughs> he held out that rod and the waters of the Red Sea, they just parted. <laughs> I mean, these walls of water on both sides. I know people today think that's a fairy tale. That's because they don't understand the power of the presence of God. And may I say to you, it was the power of the presence of God in Moses' life that gave him the courage to be there that day, to be used of God, to stick out a stick when the armies were coming against him and to see the waters part before him. And when he and those he was leading had passed by to the other side, those same waters, there was no machinery of war like that that was coming against them the powers of nature controlled by God. That's all that was needed. Those same waters that parted and let them go across on dry land was the same waters that came back together and destroyed the enemy that was after them to destroy them. You see, folks, we got to remember, this is not a fairy tale. This is God. And yes, just like the great apostle, there'll be times when you feel that you're forsaken, that you're all alone, that nobody cares, that nothing matters. But let me remind you, the presence of Christ in your life and the power that comes along with that, that's what will give you the security you need. That's what will give you the courage to be able to step out and do the impossible even when it makes no sense to this world, even when to the natural mind it doesn't matter. The power of the presence of Christ in your life, with you, the security, the courage, and yes, the strength. That was one thing that, that Paul was reminded of here, wasn't it? The Lord stood with me and strengthened me. Joshua chapter one, verse five, there shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so will I be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Those words are being spoken 
to Joshua after Moses, Joshua was a warrior. Joshua was a warrior. And yet God is telling him here, hey, nobody's going to be able to stand before thee all the days of your life. I'm going to be there. I'm going to give you your strength. I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. Joshua was a man that led in battles. There must have been a dread that one of the day, because let me remind you what that means. Most of the time today, those that are fighting in the battles, they're sitting usually thousands of miles away behind a desk somewhere saying, you guys go out there and get shot at for me. You guys go out there and shoot. But in these days, Joshua, when he led into battle, it literally meant that he was the first one out there. He was in front. The soldiers were behind him. He was the first one. All it took, just a lucky error. I mean, when everything is fighting down, he is the one that's out there facing that danger first. We find that the thing was is that Joshua could lead without worry of that. Because God had said, there shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. Just like I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you. I won't fail you. I won't forsake you. Folks, do you see any conditions in there whatsoever? We talk about God's love being totally unconditional. You can't do anything to make him love you less. You can't do anything to make him love you more. He loves you with a perfect love. Well, may I say to you, his promises to you are perfect promises, and this is a promise that's made unconditionally. He doesn't place any conditions on it. He simply makes the promise, I will not fail you. I will not forsake you. It's a clear unconditional promise that God makes to Joshua. Do we have the same promise today? Well, what about in John 6, 37, when Jesus said, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. All, all that the Father gives me comes to me. And them that come to me, I will in no wise cast out. Jesus is saying his promise that if you come to him, he will not cast you out. You come for salvation, he will not cast you away. He pleads with you to cast all your burdens upon him because he cares for you. In Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 and 11, part of the very verses that we've based our conference on for these 14 years, I think now. He says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. That's where your strength comes from, the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of of the devil, that you can stand against whatever trick that the devil wants to pull out of his bag, you can stand because you're standing in the power of his might. That's what the presence of Christ in your life means. It's that presence 
of his power in your life. That's what will give you security. It'll give you courage. It'll give you strength. And I want to give you just one more, not because that's all there is, but because that's part of what we're looking at here today. You see, when Paul was talking about what the Lord was doing here, notwithstanding, the Lord stood with me and strengthened me that by me, the preaching might be fully known and that all the Gentiles might hear. You see, it was the power of the presence of God that gave the Apostle Paul the boldness that he needed. It was the boldness to be able to stand up and preach when it meant oftentimes he'd been thrown in prison for it. When it means that they wanted to take his life. When it meant that everybody was gone and he was all alone, it was the power of the presence of Christ that gave him the strength, the boldness to be able to stand and speak out for the Lord regardless. The prophet Jeremiah was called on as a, as a very young man. And he was called to bring a message of judgment to God's people. Now, boy, isn't that a job to look forward to? To bring a message of judgment to God's people. Probably 20 to 25 years of age when he was asked to do this job. Undoubtedly, something that would have been immensely frightening for any of us. In Jeremiah chapter 1, notice what the Word of God says here, speaking of this prophet. Beginning in verse 4, then the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. <laughs> and before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee. And I ordained thee, if you would set thee apart a prophet unto the nations. Then said I, Ah, oh, Lord God, behold, <laughs> That's all fine and well, God, but I cannot speak, for I'm a child. That's all fine and well that you did that, God, but hey, this is something I can't do. I'm not a preacher. I'm not a speaker. But the Lord said unto me, say not, I am a child. For thou shalt go to all that I shall send thee, and whatsoever I command thee, thou shalt speak. Be not afraid of their faces. For I am with thee to deliver thee, saith the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. The Lord said unto me, Behold, I have put my words in thy mouth. See, I have this day set thee over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out, to pull down, and to destroy, and to throw down, to build, and to plant. You're going to be tearing down, and you're going to be building up. I've called you to do this work. Be not afraid of their faces. You wouldn't realize some of the faces I see out there sometimes. <laughs> Don't be afraid of the way they look at you. Don't be afraid of what they're going to do. I'm there to deliver you. The Lord put forth his hand, <laughs> touched my mouth, and he said, Behold, I have put my words in my mouth. 
if you're speaking what God has given you to speak. You don't have to worry and fear what man might say, what man might do. He's there to give the strength. He's there to deliver the message, whether it be you and your next-door neighbor, whether it be you and the person beside you at work or at school, whether it be that person out there on the street when you're out there doing outreach, the person you meet in the aisle of the grocery store, or whether it is to get into that pulpit and speak. As I look out there, there's a number of you out there today that have stood in a pulpit and preached God's Word. I've often said, if you ever get to the point that that doesn't bring some kind of fear to you, then you ought never to do it again. But it is different. You see, the thing is, you come, you come to know and to trust the Lord. I can still remember and I can relate very, very much to what Jeremiah must have been feeling. I can remember when I stood in the pulpit the first time as a 14 or 15-year-old young lad. And it's a good thing that it was a big pulpit to hang on to and that it was wide enough that they couldn't see because my legs must have been going like this. I was shaking like a leaf. I was terrified. I'd got on my dad's old royal typewriter. And it had, I mean, in those days, it was fancy. You had black ribbon and red ribbon. And I'd put all my scripture verses in red and I'd put all my notes in black and I had this thing all laid out and I thought I had a, you know, a good 30-minute sermon there. And I must have got a good five or ten minutes out and I finished everything, everything that I had before me. I was terrified. But you know, the truth is, is that was the first step that the Lord got me through. And it is a terrifying thing. All I'm saying to you is, look, God has a specific job for all of us. And we need what we're talking about here today. We need to feel secure. We need some courage because sometimes it's going to seem like it's just absolutely insurmountable odds that are stacked against us and there's absolutely nothing we can do to overcome this. We need strength that only he can give us. We need boldness that he's going to be there with us. You see, God doesn't call everybody to step in the pulpit. But whatever God's called you for, we see in these passages that says, look, whatever path I'm sending you down, I'll be with you. I'm going with you. It's going to be okay. You know, we looked at that verse not long ago in the book of Revelation where the Lord has promised there that he would open doors that no man could close. God has a path for you. For some, it may be preaching in a pulpit. For some, it may be doing all these different things, whatever it is. One thing that God has absolutely, without any shadow of a doubt, left us all here to do, and that's to be a witness. We all need this boldness. We need the boldness to speak wherever that it might be. We need the boldness. Paul knew that his was to speak to these Gentiles that all could hear the gospel God has placed us where we are. If we're where God wants us to be, God has a path for you. Find that path and don't go anywhere except where he sends you to go and know that he's going with you and everywhere along that path. Take that boldness that he'll give you, the presence of his power being with you, knowing that it's God that's speaking. We're thankful 
of the power of the presence of those all around us, the power of a hug, (laughs) the power of a kind word, the power of a forgiving spirit, the power, the things that we can do for one another. But may I remind you, the way that that is going to be the most powerful is when Christ is real in our lives, the power of the presence of Christ in us. I just want you to grasp that for you individually, no matter what, no matter who else leaves, no matter if there's anybody else standing with you, Christ is with you. He is with you. And I, I, I'm not taking away that. Yes, sometimes I know it can feel lonely. I know Sometimes you wish there was just somebody else. Well, I'm saying that not only will the Lord be with you to stand and do what God's called you to do, but the Lord is in you to be there for others, to give them that hug, that that, that kind word, that just being there for them and with them, even when they falter, even when they mess up. The power of the presence of Christ in our lives is not only what will get you through your life, but it's what through you will help others to get through as well. Father, I thank you this morning. Lord, there's, there's just so much because your love is so great. And Lord, just the reality of what it means to have you present in our lives. Lord, I, I do hope and pray that despite my shortcomings and my failings, I, I pray that through your word, that by your spirit, that you've spoken to hearts here this morning. And Lord, you know each one right now. Lord, I I pray that if there be somebody here that doesn't have the presence of Christ in their lives because they've never accepted him, they've never humbled themselves. Maybe it's pride. I trust and pray that it's not a lack of understanding because, Lord, here today, all they have to do is to admit their, their, their selves as a sinner, admit their sin and realize that Jesus Christ is the only hope. Come to you and ask for that forgiveness based solely upon the finished work of Jesus Christ. He died for their sin. He shed the blood for their sin. Help them, Lord, to put their faith and trust in a risen Savior that died for them so that their sins could be forgiven. Today, they can have your presence in their life. And for that Christian, Lord, that may be feeling broken and alone and forsaken. Lord, even the Apostle Paul was forsaken by man. But I pray that you just help them, remind them this morning, Lord, that their security, their courage, their strength, their boldness, it all comes from the power of Christ in their lives, the power of his presence. So I pray now, Lord, that you would strengthen them, help them, Lord, to claim those promises and to stand upon them. Help us all, Lord, to take these things. Lord, that in the year before us, help us to make a difference. Help us to be on the path you want us on. Help us not to just let the days go by and be wasted. There's so much of great value that they can be used for. Help us to be able to know when we get to the end, regardless of who's forsaken us, that we can know as the Apostle Paul did that we have fought a good fight, that we have kept the faith, that we have finished our course. Lord, I pray that you would help us as a church 
have the impact in this city and around the world that you would have us to because each and every one of us as individuals are willing to give our lives to you wholeheartedly. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.